Before I do, I want to just read this. And I got this this morning. I'm walking with six men. And it's a privilege to walk with six men. And we all got this from one of the men in our group. The last 21 months have been a tightrope walk for me. But God has been good and continues to be. I cannot believe it's been a year since I have been back in Wellington from Hawke's Bay. And you guys have been a great source of strength to me as you availed yourselves to be used of God in my life. I came back here battered and shattered, not knowing what to do or expect. I am grateful that walking with you guys has sustained me more than my natural broken family could ever do. I have moved from being an emotional wreck to a solid sound warrior of God in the wake of my worldly losses, which are not losses in God's kingdom, but gains. May God bless you richly, all of you guys, for continuing obedience to his ways as we continue this journey, lifting up one another as God enables us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. (laughs) What a testimony of discipleship. See, one of our values is discipleship. That is not meeting in people's homes and having coffee. That is genuinely walking with people and allowing the Holy Spirit to build people while you carry one another's burdens while he goes to work at doing what he does. Unpacking, unstripping, undoing, then building. And while we carry one another's burdens, he will do a work that none of us can do. That is the evidence and the testimony of what true discipleship actually is. It is a value of this house. Can I ask you a question? Are you in that process? Because that's the process of what it means to be in discipleship. Outside of that, it's not discipleship. I'm not sure what it is, but it's not discipleship defined through the biblical standard of discipleship. So we can gather and meet and not have that, but that is the evidence and the fruit of true discipleship where men, women together walk together and let the builder of the house build. So thanks, brother, for allowing me to share that with us as a family. Awesome to have Master Mr. Gilling with us and Zinkle, his other brother, our brother in Christ. Why don't you stand up, brother, and say hi. This is a young man that has come out with Johnny, and Johnny gave me a call some months ago and said, hey, I've got this young guy, I really want to build into him, love him, just want him to experience some things, can I bring him over and come over with him and just be part of some things that you guys are doing? And of course, the answer is always yes. So we had a phenomenal day yesterday at a discipleship leaders retreat. We are into leadership as one of our values. And so because of our values we're living out, we put on things to build and create disciples who are leaders, followers who are leaders, disciples of Christ who disciple other people. It's so important that we raise up disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not just confessing followers, but disciples. Anyone can start the process and confess Christ, but are you a confessing Christian who actually becomes a disciple? It's not enough just to say you believe in Jesus. You must become like Jesus. Disciples want to become like Jesus. Confessing followers just stay the same and just confess, yeah, I believe in him, I believe in that, I believe in that, I believe in that, but I don't necessarily want to become like the one I say I believe in. That is true discipleship. That is what I just read out because that man who's going through process is becoming like Christ. 
that would be the point, wouldn't it, of our relationship? That's certainly what the Bible teaches me, what discipleship is and what Jesus came to do. Build disciples of himself. Sons who represent the Son, who represent the Father while they're on earth, who walk in the manner in which Jesus walked this earth. There is no gap between him and us because he was a man and did everything as a man. I'll let that one sink into you for a little while. Which means, guys, there are no more excuses. And every excuse we come up with has to be apprehended, nailed, thrown back to where it came from. But Lord, you don't understand. No, I do understand. No, you don't understand. No, I do understand. But I just got married. Good on you. I just built, bought a bit of land. Good on you. And I just bought a cow. Well done. And, well, I can't come because I just bought those things. Well, there's nothing wrong with those things, but why can't you come? Because I bought those things. Yeah, but I've got so much for you. Do you believe all things? There's nothing wrong with those things, but do you believe you can have it all? Or do you think it's one and the other? But don't let those things define you. Don't let relationship define you with a person. Don't let your possessions define you. Don't let your income define you. Why? Because love believes all things. And that's what we're looking at, we love. Love believes all things. Love bears all things. Heard Sam last week? Did you hear Sam? No, did you really hear Sam? I'm not saying what Sam said. Did you hear what Sam released? Did it go into you? So this week you found yourself loving in a way that you never loved before, that you could bear the offense of all things. Cover all things. Did you have one example this week where you covered someone's sin against you? A child's behavior, what did it do to your behavior? Did you cover it or did you manifest all over it? A work colleague, did you cover their brokenness, their insecurity, their lack, their fear? Because love bears all things and you're able to cover when someone in the workplace comes against you. So you cover that and demonstrate Christ because you're a disciple of Christ to them. And everybody else that's watching, or were you uncovered by someone's offense and undone? Which is fine as long as you acknowledge that. Because God would want you full that love would bear that offense. Not once, an entire lifetime. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. And that's who he calls us to be and become. Like Christ. So I'm going to talk about love believes all things. Love is fully convinced of everything that it hears and sees. So who is love? God, Jesus, is love. So God is love. So God believes all things. He believes in everything he's created. 
and he believes it was good. Do you believe that you are good in his eyes? Greg, it says no one is good. Only the Father is good. But do you believe you're good after you've become good from being evil? So not the old new you, but the new you. I love me. I'm in love with me. I'm in love with who I'm becoming. Hear what I'm telling you. I hate the old guy. He was selfish, self-centered, about himself, looking for himself, couldn't bear all things, didn't believe all things, was living for him. But the new guy I'm in love with. Because the new guy is Christ in me and I'm in love with Christ, so I'm in love with myself because I don't see the difference because Christ is forming himself in me and I'm becoming like Christ so much that I'm so in love with Christ because my life is hidden in Christ. So I don't love Greg, I love God when I say I love Greg. What about you? I'm in love with who I am becoming, who I am, who I'm being, who I'm becoming, and who I'm going to become. I love it. And I love it so much, I'm spending all my time with him. (laughs) He said, come to me and learn from me. And I believe, I said, yes, man, because I love who you're making me into because you're building your house and I'm a house and I'm part of a stone in a bigger body. And I love the work you're doing here, Father. And I love what you're doing in me and my brothers in South Africa and my brothers here. And I just love it because I believe all things like you believe all things. It's beautiful. I'm in love with a man. <laughs> Woohoo! Who would have thought? But that's okay because he calls me a bride. <laughs> so it's not warped. <laughs> and I look great in a mini skirt. Not. Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Trust me to blow it. It just shows you my humanity. And I'm in process with you. (laughs) Sometimes we think, hey, we're up here, everyone's got to arrive that stands on the stage. So the standard you put on some of us, like me, is way too high. Bring the standard down, please. (laughs) You set me up to fail, so then I fail. I'm just like you. I'm like you. I'm human, but I'm not. I'm more than a human because I have the God in me. God tells me he believes in me. Does God tell you he believes in you? He says, son, I believe in you so much more than you believe in you because love believes all things. He said, man, even in your mess-ups, I believe in you, Greg. Really? Yes, man. Because I saw you before you even saw you. And when I look at you, I see it the before you ever had a chance to get anything wrong. See, when I look at you, I'm not looking at who you were. I'm looking at who you are in me. You see, you're in me. Before you even were born, you were in me. So when I look at you, I see that in me guy. And I speak to that in me guy. So I don't define you by your behavior. I define you by love. And I'm love, so I believe all things, and I believe in you. 
and who I am creating you to be. That is good news. It doesn't get better than that. My behavior doesn't take me out because love believes all things in who I am and who I'm becoming in Christ. Man, if you can receive that today, watch your whole life change. You'll never fear with rejection. Why? Because the one who accepted you will never reject you. Why do you let people reject you when people never accepted you? So you can't reject me because you never accepted me. Do you know how freeing that is? That you can say whatever you want about me, and I go, that's an opinion and a perspective which is yours, and that's cool. But you know where it's staying? Right there. It's not entering into here or here. Why? Because I know who I am in him. And if that is anti him, I go, I'm sorry, I know that's your idea or opinion or whatever, but that's not who he says I am because I've come to believe all things and I believe in who he says I am and I get my identity through he says I am, not through my natural father, not through my natural mother. Can I say this? And I hope you really hear me. And I said this yesterday. It doesn't matter how you got here. It doesn't matter if you came through a broken vessel. Man, we're all broken. And I'm not saying that that wasn't tough. And I'm not saying it didn't impact you. And I'm not trying to play that down to any measure how you got here. But you were predestined to be here. It just happened to be that you came through a broken vessel. But you were always predestined for life. So can we celebrate that and stop looking at our past of how we got here and go, I'm here. See, as long as you take your eyes off Jesus, sin will easily entangle you and you'll stop believing all things because what you're looking at is not life but death. And so you keep looking at your past going, oh my past, oh my past, oh my past. What about your present and what about your future? See, your eyes, if they kept looking backwards, they would have gone back to the land they came from. But they saw a heavenly land, a heavenly country that they moved forward to because their eyes were fixed on Jesus, who is the author of his story and the perfecter of his story. So he says, Greg, I believe in you. Do you? believe in who I say you are. That's why we marinate and meditate in his word, not for function first, but for who we are. So many people read this for what am I going to do for you, God? That is the third or fourth place position in relationship, not the first That is way down the order. That is good news. This is a relational gospel, not a functional one. First, they are both in picture, but one is relational and then two comes second. Commandment, commission. Why is it that many in the church are commissioned than commandment? Easier. Why is it, what do we do for you, not who we are in you? 
But you know, when you try and do things for him and you don't know who you are, you get all entangled in you. You get entangled in you, in sin, in you. Because you take your eyes off the one who is Christ. You see, the new standard is this. Everything that's not done by faith is a sin. So when you're doing things not from faith, it's a sin. You're missing the mark. He has forgiven your past, present, and future sin. Hear what I'm saying. So you are right in God. You are the righteousness of God. Now, when he makes you right, the new standard for people who have been made right is now faith. So if you continue to live in sin, lawlessness, your own way, you're missing the standard of faith. Paul said, I live by faith. He said, cultivate a life of faithfulness. He said, the righteous live by faith. So to not live by faith is to live by sin, meaning lawlessness, doing your own thing, even though you are right in his eyes. Is that clear? So it's not sin like past sin because I've forgotten past, present, and future. I've wiped that slate clean. Now that you've been saved, justified, here's the new standard. You live by faith in who? Jesus Christ, which means you need to have the knowledge of Jesus Christ to live a life of faith in Jesus Christ because faith sees who he actually is and then it believes. Because when I see who he is through the eyes of the Spirit, because I heard the word and I heard who I was through the word, and that hearing went into my spirit, not my natural ears, went into my spirit, that word which has power, which is creative, which is a force, which is sharper than any double-edged sword that comes in and judges the thoughts and the attitudes, and it created creation. When that word comes like this with power, like my fist, and goes poof, into my spirit, I go, and breathe. I receive the word. Then when the Holy Spirit opens the my eyes of my mind, hear my heart, my mind, to see it. <gasps> I'm a son. Welcome to the word of God. And I live as a son. That's what it means to hear. It's not taking notes and hearing me say and trying to... It's hearing in a capacity that brings something into your spirit that literally is like a sword that comes in. Imagine if I took a physical sword and I thrust it into Kirsten's heart right now. There would be a response. (laughs) So the word causes a response. For the word not to cause a response is not to hear the word. Sometimes it causes a real ugly reaction. Because the flesh just got hit. (laughs) Nail him to the cross. Ooh, if they had known what they were doing, they wouldn't have done it. Because they didn't hear the word when it was spoken to them, because they hardened their hearts. Don't be like the Israelites who, when they heard the word, hardened their hearts even though they saw signs and wonders. 
They didn't see the greatest sign or the greatest wonder because they didn't believe all things. He says, these people are an example for us. Don't follow the pattern of the Israelites. Follow the pattern of the Spirit. I, God, believe all things. I'm so thankful that he believed in me when I didn't believe in him or me. (laughs) Are you? Do you know that position? See, you really know it when you say you're going to do something and you don't do it six times and he comes through every time. When you say, I'll do this if you do this and you bargain with God. When you try and scam God. When you try and manipulate God out of your flesh. And I know none of you do this. I know you've never prayed a prayer. If you do this, I'll do this. (laughs) This turkey did it six times. Probably more, but six times it was so powerful and God came through every time. You want to see me? Bang, lights in rooms. You want your dad healed of cancer? Bang, healed of cancer. You want to get healed of that rash on your body? I'll heal that too. And this turkey said, thank you, and then went on his merry way. I'm so thankful at the age of 29 when I was a broken man, a broken vessel, and I cried out, God still believed in all things. And God was there waiting for me to come to the end of me. Remember what I said? The dead guy trying to live. I got born again, really born at the age of 29, when the 29-year-old became a baby and died. And life came into a dead person called resurrected power, which is only from God. And it's something everyone needs to experience, not know in your head. You need to experience the resurrected power that takes a dead guy and births a brand new guy. Why? Because God believed in me before I ever knew I existed and before I was ever an idea in my mum and dad, before they were even born, before their parents were even born, before anyone actually was born. God believed in all of us and knew the day that you would actually come to know him. (laughs) If you can grab that, man, I'm telling you, there's no fear in you. That'll cast out fear. You are not an accident. You're not random. I don't care how you got here. You were predestined to be here in God. Let go of your past. Let go of the baggage. Let go of your failures. Let go of your mistakes. Do yourself a favor and give yourself some slack. Because God's given you heaps. Receive some slack today to not be this polished article. But go after the polished article. Be content, but be discontently content and believe. He believes in me. Even when I was leading people, not knowing it astray, thinking I knew what it meant to build the church, he still believed in me. He believed in Peter when Peter denied him. He told him that. He said, you will go where I have been. Peter just didn't hear it. Did you hear it? He didn't hear it. He didn't hear it. 
Can you hear what I'm saying to you? It will radically change you. If you can hear what I'm saying, you will walk out of here a different person. I'm telling you, the praise, the praise that will come out of you, you won't be able to contain. It's good to praise emotionally. The emotions aren't bad when they're defined by God. Some people go, oh, you can't praise emotionally. That's not relationship. That's, I don't know. That's religion, brother. I'm sure you don't, you know, in a relationship with kids, oh. It's all. I'm spirit, soul, body. I am one being. And when God enters into the being, it tells you the manifestation of Christ's life can come out of you because you believe all things because you realize he believes all things. And he believes in you and me. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. (laughs) Yeah. So give yourself some slack. Say, God believes in me. Even though I'm in process, God believes in me. My failures don't define me because my father believes in me. And just put it into your context. If you have kids or friends, I'm sure you don't beat your kids up and go, man, you're such a failure. I'm never going to believe in you again. No, you come down beside your children, you pick them up, you say, let's go again. Yes? Yes? And then they fall over again. So then you're there to pick them up and you say, let's go again. And so you're trying to help them grow into the fullness of who they are in Him. Well, it's the same with us. And you give your children heaps of slack, do you not? Why haven't you studied calculus to the third degree yet at university when you're two? Hurry up, come on. Get this into you, come on. There's a test at the end of the week. That's how we treat ourselves with God. And God's going, what are you doing? I don't treat you like that. Why are you treating you like that? Do you know why? Because you don't yet know love the way you need to know love. And you don't know who you are the way you need to know who you are. Because when you know who you are, you don't act the way you used to act. Because you know who you are. Because you know who you are. Because you believe all things. So when he tells you you're a son, not mentally, a living conviction, and you hear that in the conviction of your spirit, and that word, Greg, you're a son. And when that word, which is spirit, not English, okay? So I just said something in English, but I'm communicating something that's sitting behind the English language. I'll do it this way. So I just said, you're a son. And when that, the word there does this, you're a daughter, but you're really a son. Boom. It's like life. (gasps) It's like when a child takes a breath for the first time. It cries. Because life comes into its lungs. (gasps) I'm a son. That's got to come real. That's got to be realized. That's got to be laid hold of. 
not just a mental agreement and then a verbal articulation of sonship, but then we live as orphans. An orphan insulates themselves because they don't believe all things. An orphan protects themselves because they never know when they're going to get their next meal. They never know when they're going to get the next gift. They never know when they're going to get the next hug. They never know when the next thing's coming. So what they get, they've got to hold and protect, and they hide in a corner, and they hold it there, and no one can get it because they're so afraid and fearful that they're never going to get the next. We can be sons in principle and live like that in reality because we don't believe him and who he says we are because we've only trying to get a mental understanding of that, not a living conviction. Because we haven't yet learned how to abide in God so we hear his voice and when he speaks from that abiding realm, that word which is liquid love just comes through your spirit, into your spirit. It's like being on a drip your whole life off heaven to earth, and it fills your entire body and blood system with him, because he is the blood, isn't it? Isn't the life in the blood? So it's like a blood transfusion. It's like he puts his blood into your body, and all of a sudden, his blood, you feel it coming up your arm, up your arm, up your body, in your chest, down your body, and you are full of his blood that was spilt for you at Calvary because the life is in the blood. Blood is way thicker than the natural. Meaning his blood, which is spirit. And all of a sudden, the words that you've read, the words that you've spent time with come alive in you and you have a living conviction and no longer just a mental understanding. That's okay, it's good, but it's not enough for you to live like a son because love believes all things. And God says, guys, if you will do it my way, I will get you from the start to the end. And in the middle, I will build you. And I shared this with the guys yesterday, and I don't have a whiteboard here, but Isaiah says this, that God is the God who declares the end from the beginning. So what is at the end of the book? The book of Revelation. What is contained in the words in the book of Revelation which is the greatest promise to the church. It's the marriage covenant. What is at the start of the book? I've created two people to become one because I want to be in that relationship with them. I want to be the other person in the marriage covenant between a man and a woman because the man and the woman are actually going to become one. So they're no longer two, they're becoming one of the spirits. So I am the other person in the marriage covenant. So at the end of the book, you have the promise of the inheritance of the marriage covenant for the church. At the start of the book, you have the promise of the marriage covenant for the church. And in the middle, we all start not knowing those two things. But he's the author of his story. He knows his story. He knows the end from the beginning because he wrote the story. I've just completed a book. I knew the end from the beginning and what's going to happen in the middle. So he goes, okay, you start in the middle. But what would it be like when you start in the middle, you could actually see the end from the beginning? 
And how would that redefine who you are in God? If you knew you are his bride, his beloved, when you start in the middle, the day you get born again, you receive a wedding invitation. You probably don't know that, but you received a wedding invitation to your own wedding. Imagine if you never showed up at your own wedding. Well, some do. It's not good for the other person that's waiting there, is it? (laughs) It's not good at all. And so we all receive this wedding invitation the day we get invite him in, but we just don't know it because we're not in him enough and we don't believe. And then someone comes like me and says, do you know you received a wedding invitation? Do you believe? Well, I don't know. Well, believe. Well, I don't know. Well, believe. Have a look at the scriptures. Search the scriptures. Search the scriptures to see what's in the scriptures and believe. So he says right at the start, here's the end. Why would God want to show you the end? So you know how to run. Doesn't every athlete know the end? Yeah? Right. Every sport, everyone knows the end. Football plays 90 minutes. 100 meter runner runs 100 meters. A marathon runner runs, what is it, Andrea? 42 Ks. 800 meter knows it's twice around the track. Why? So they can prepare for the race. Very hard if you don't know the race. If you're a sprinter and you're in a marathon, you're in trouble. You're built differently, you eat differently, you train differently. Look at the physiques. Look at some of the veeks for a 100-meter sprinter and a guy that's going to run, you know, 42Ks. It's quite a lot of difference. They look like me and Johnny. (laughs) And, of course, I'm the marathon runner. (laughs) Got to encourage my brother. He needs to eat more. I don't know what's going on, but anyway, no. <laughs> but see, an athlete knows the end, so they go into training, equipping to the end in mind. So they finish the race well. Can you hear me? So God says, right, church, I want you to believe in the end and the start, so in the middle you can become what you actually will be at the end if you do it all my way, because I believe all things. I believe in my creation. I believe in what I've set up. I believe in you. I have chosen you and called you. You haven't chosen me. So if God has chosen us, do you think he believes in us? He's the creator of the universe. If he said, you're going to be mine and I'm going to draw you unto me, I think he believes in us. Not in our flesh, but who he's going to build us to be. So in Philippians 1.6, he tells us that in view of your participation in the gospel, which is the word of God that you heard that pierces your heart when you get born again, in view of receiving the gospel through power, when new life came into your vessel and you went, ah! for the first time, and you knew you got born again like you were born the first time, In view of that, I'm going to perfect this work, and it's a perfect work, in your heart and your mind. So you will love me, not another. It's okay to love another, but not more than. It's okay to love sport, but not more than. It's okay to have a house, but don't love it more than. Don't put those things, what? And a relationship with a human, your possession or your career 
ahead of God. Because now you love that more than God. And Jesus says, if you love that more than me, you're not worthy of what I have declared. Now, I've made you worthy through my blood. So I've made you right that you can experience all of what I've declared. But it's about a love relationship. Do you believe all things? Because I love, believe in my story. I believe in the church I'm building. And I will have her. Because she's my church. She's my bride. She's not your bride, Greg. She's my bride. You don't know who you are. You're supposed to be my bride. You are the one who I'm supposed to fall in love with me. But you think you're a leader just doing something. You don't realize that you're the bride. And when you don't realize you're the bride, you're not getting ready because you don't think there's a marriage. (laughs) Makes sense, doesn't it? You have no idea that when you receive Christ on your day, you're not getting ready for the wedding. What wedding? In the days of Noah, they were partying because they had no idea what was coming. It will be like in the days of Noah. People were getting married physical they'll be buying land they'll be living for themselves and I will come like a thief in the night but the church is not to be taken out because we're supposed to know when he's coming because we're looking at the times we're in we don't know the exact day, but by looking at scriptures, because we believe all things, and we can know a rough estimation of when he's coming because we believe what he says, because we're in revelation of what he says, we're getting ready. Are you getting ready? Man, I've picked out my dress. <laughs> got the earrings. Got the high heels. Come on, mate. I've even booked in my hair. <laughs> it's going to be a cheap haircut, but I'm there. Amen. That's Amen. what the ladies do, don't they? They get pampered, get their hair done. Oh, <laughs> I'm ready, and I'm getting ready. I can't wait. And the Bible says that we're in your love. You're not going to shrink back when he comes. Yes. You're going to move forward. Come on. See, that's the role of the church is to be moving forward, not shrinking back because of the love that we believe all things and know because God loves us. He says, why in John, why John 6, why do you work for food that perishes? Why do you chase miracles instead of the one who is the miracle worker? Why do you think that the feeding of the 15,000 was just all about a miracle and not realize I was doing it for you to come to me? Because you don't believe all things and you're limited in your understanding. And because something in you loves the fact that I'm the miracle worker, which is awesome, but you can actually, when you take your eyes off him, the miracles can actually get you entangled in you. Because all of a sudden, instead of following him, you follow the miracle. And now you become obsessed with doing signs and wonders rather than the one of signs and wonders. And all of a sudden, this is what happens. You leave your first love for the pursuit of the works of God, not a relationship with God. 
that's not good because those people at the end at the judgment seat hear, I'm sorry, but you can't marry me because you did everything now in your own strength. You had a gifting and there was a calling, but you're of lawlessness. You did it your own way. I don't love you is really what it means. Meaning, sorry, you don't love me. I've always loved you. See, this is the challenge. We search for gifts and we want to know our purpose. You've got a singular destiny. You know, it's a lie. It's not true. In you, it's not true. Your singular purpose is to marry him. This is where it's so subtle, and it can sound so right, but it's not. And you have words like vision and vision, and purpose and purpose, and destiny and destiny. Do you know he has a version of all those words that are in him, and we have our version of all those words, and we think they're the same, and they're not. So people say, what is the will of God for my life? Sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds right. Do you know it's not? It should be this, Father, what is your will? Can you hear the subtleness of the difference, but in operating, they are miles apart. One will get you living as an individual. You haven't got time for the church becoming the body because you're looking at you for your individual purpose in God. So I'm sorry, I haven't got time to hang here because I'm trying to find something that is singular for me. Do you know you never find it? Because you're not created for that, you're created to be in a body. And that is where you find your singular purpose, in a body. Can you see the hoodwink? See, the enemy gets you believing and the flesh gets you believing it's all about you. When it's not, it's all about him. See, love believes all things and love knows it's going to get his design and his people to where he needs to get it to when his people surrender to the process of who he is and his ways. But see, what happens is because we don't have revelation, we preach through our own lens. So we take his words and we make it our gospel. And it's so appealing to the flesh to hear that you have a single destiny. You're going to leave a legacy. And man, you're going to make a mark on this earth. Well, how are you going with your mark? You made it yet? How are you going with your legacy? What does your past look like? Talk to me full of overwhelmingness and love and joy and peace or full of destruction? Still trying to live for you, fighting with people, trying to get your own way, trying to make it because I've got to find my legacy and my destiny. Your past tells you a lot about where you're living from. But don't let it define you because God's not, but it will tell you a lot about you're in Him or not in Him. So make your day, your present about Him so your future looks quite different. So by the time you get to here in your future, you look past and you've got a decent past. Because your past got defined by your new future. Hear what I'm saying? Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear coming out of my mouth. Take it to the Holy Spirit and ask Him. And He will lead you and guide you if it is of Him or not. My role and anyone else's role who's speaking is to only speak the Father's word. The Father's teaching not my version of it and for me to be able to do that I must have revelation of it 
I can't just get up here in mental understanding and start preaching something that I haven't yet revealed in me because how do I know it's actually my father's or just me? And that's the safeguard for those speaking the word and the safeguard for the church. So I made that commitment to you guys about six years ago when I said I will never speak anything that's not revealed because it's a safeguard for me because I'm going to be facing him one day. Similarly, you know that stuff you taught. I believe all things. I believe in you. Okay, I'm not punishing you, but this is about reward. Do you know that wasn't me? Well, half of it was me. Three quarters of it was me. Most of it was you. Why, Father? Because you didn't spend the time with me for me to reveal my word in you. You thought you could understand me in your mind. And you thought you didn't need the Holy Spirit. So why would I send him? See, this really attacks the pride of man like nothing else. And it lowers it. It comes along and it goes like this, right at the knees of pride. Or the root, whack, with an axe. What was that? That was the Spirit just taking you out. What for? To show you who He really is. So love believes all things. So God has this beautiful plan. It's His plan. God has a destiny for the church. Yep. God has a plan for the church. God has works for us to do as individuals. Yes, but it is connected to a bigger plan. So the micro works all feed back to the macro plan. Micro works outside of macro, dangerous. God does nothing in twos, it's all about one. So he has a plan, he has a purpose, he actually puts it in his book so you can know what it is through revelation. He does not hide it even though it's concealed. So it is hidden, but it's in here. <laughs> That's a dichotomy. It's in here, but it's hidden, but I can know it if I meditate and marinate and the Holy Spirit brings it to light. Correct. It says, in view of God's mercy, lay your bodies down as a living sacrifice, does it not? Holy and pleasing to God. For this is your spiritual act of worship. Okay? That's number one. You've got to have a view of God's mercy, how good he is, because that's going to empower you to let your life go. This is what worship is. It is not singing songs. That's praise, adoration, but worship biblically. Okay? If you let this define what worship really is, first base principle, when was the first word of worship used in the book? When was it? When you see worship. And what is the context for it? Say it again, Johnny. Sacrifice. And who was getting sacrificed? Isaac. So worship is all about sacrificing to God. And in view of God's mercy, His goodness, His kindness, His love, His belief in you, in view of who God is, lay your life down. Give God the control the strength, the ability of your life. The life that God has given you, give it back to Him. If you don't give your life back to Him, you will define your life. And there is no life in your hands if you're defining your life. 
You have just incorporated him in for what he can do for you. He loves you and believes in you, and he will guide you in that, but for the purpose of complete surrender. He takes us as we are, and he wants to get us to where he dreams for us to be. But too many Christians, all they've done is incorporated him in for what he can do for them. So we are still sitting on the throne of our lives and we ask him to bless our lives. That's how you get, I have an individual destiny. I have an individual purpose. I'm going to leave my mark on the earth because I am going to change the world. Well, how are you going with that? Because you can't do anything in the spirit. Why don't we just get changed rather than trying to get everyone else changed? (laughs) See, he says, I build my church. So if we're the church, then he builds us. So why don't we just commit to being changed? Do you know the only reason the world exists the way it is because people are people and people reject God. So let's not be those people because we're not supposed to be rejecting God. We're supposed to be receiving God. But we can be just like the world and actually deny God because we don't believe all things and we don't believe who he says we are and we're still fighting for that place of life and that place of throneship. It's called lordship. But Greg, you're still the lord of your life even though I've saved you. So your spirit is saved but your soul is not under lordship. So you're still the Lord of your own life because you don't believe all things because you can't believe all things. Can you hear what I'm saying? I, in my old man, can't believe all things because when something comes along and says you can do all this in Christ, I go, nah, I don't believe that. Why? Because I am still in control of my mind, my will, and my emotions. It's called soul realm living. So I can't. I may want to. And my spirit, which is justified, may want to, but I never can. Or I bust the gut in human strength, and I'm like, I got to the prayer meeting. (laughs) But I'm at the prayer meeting, but you know what I can't do? Pray. Pray. He said they got to Gethsemane. They just couldn't pray in Gethsemane. They were asleep in Gethsemane when they were asked to pray. You see, your human strength can get you to places, but it can never interact with what you're supposed to interact with, even though you're physically there. Because you're present, but you're not presently present. Why? Because you're still the Lord of your own life, because you haven't allowed Jesus into the innermost being with his sword to go to work and do an inner realm work. But you know what you can do? You can wake up and have a look around. They're coming for him. Here come the baddies. I've got to protect him. So you whip out your sword because now you're at a prayer meeting and you've got plenty of life. But now you're actually going to not pray in the line to the spirit. You're going to pray something and you go, and you lop off someone's ear. And God goes, yeah, Peter, we came to save people. 
not chop off ears. We came to serve, not be served. Watch this. He still didn't get it. Imagine being Malchus. Imagine being all the other guys, guards. I shared this yesterday. What just happened? He did, Peter, just what we would do. We're here on commands. So we're here to arrest this guy. He did what we would have done, and now he's rebuking his guy for doing what we would have done, and now he's just mended our dude's ear. Who are you? Who do the people say I am? You hear it? So, he believes in you. He believes in me. He believes in the work he's doing. Because love believes all things. Worship is the giving of your entire life to discover that God is your provider. That's what worship is all about. That's what Genesis 22 and Romans 12, 1 is all about. Is that he was trying to get Abraham to realize, I am your provider. I'm the source of your life. I'm going to be your clothing, food, shelter, protection. I am the source of your provision. Do you believe it? He knows he's going to come through because he believes all things. Do you believe that he wants to be and can be your source of life? So Abraham wrote and named that mountain the Lord provides because Abraham knew because he was a man of faith that God would provide all things. Do you? You see, when he feeds the 15,000, it's all about coming back to him, going, I am the bread of life. Do you believe I do miracles, but greater than that, do you believe I am the source of your life? Or are you still trying to be your shelter, your protector, your guide? You're the one who's providing the resource for you. Why do you worry about clothing? Why do you worry about income? Why do you work for food that ultimately perishes in your hand? Because you don't yet know who I am. And although I believe all things for you, you don't yet know and believe all things for yourself and who I am for you. You actually don't yet know me as provider of all things. Because life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. So why are you trying to provide for yourself those things when I am your provider? Why don't you come to me and learn from me and you will genuinely and authentically know and experience and power within you that I am God and I am your provider of all things. For you cannot live on bread alone. What he's saying is, you can live this physical life on bread, but that's 
the dead guy over here. Remember where we started? You can't live this life if all you're doing is eating that food source. Nothing wrong with having a job. Hear me. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't make up what I'm not saying. I did not say there's nothing wrong with having a, you know, throw away your job, did I? So don't say hear that. Don't say Greg said throw away job. I did not say that. That's you hearing something I'm not saying. You need to hear what I'm saying and receive it and know the truth that will set you free. Because Jesus said to Peter, all those who have left everything to follow me will have a hundred houses, a hundred lots of this and a hundred lots of this and a hundred lots of this in Luke now and in the future. So it has zero to do with possessions and stuff and everything to do with where your heart is. I want to be in here and the number one in here, and at the moment there's other things in here, so you don't believe all things, but I believe all things for you. I am here today for you, Jesus is saying. I stand right in front of you through this guy, Simnor, and I'm speaking to you that I am here to be your provider. So let go in view of my mercy and offer your entire life as a living sacrifice, and you'll come into the faith of Abraham. Now, I started by saying anything that's not lived by faith is a sin. Does that stir you to want to repent and go after God? Because to not live by faith is to live by sin. I don't want to live by sin. That's missing a mark. And when you track that out, when I stand before him, you of lawlessness, you live by sin. My love was covering you. You did signs and wonders. You healed the sick. You preached the gospel. You did all these works. The only problem was it was done from your lawless state. The old man. See, what you can't do in your flesh is deny it. And because you can't deny it, you can't love him the way he desires to be loved you can't and the power and the weight of what I just said should bring us to our knees the problem is we think we can but the challenge as you've been hearing is love is patient kind gentle long suffering rejoices in righteousness, not in unrighteousness. It holds no account of a wrong suffered. It bears all things. It believes all things. So you can incorporate Christ in, and because you have him in, and you have a gifting, you can walk on water, Peter, and then you can deny him. And there must and there needed to be a crushing before he could actually receive and love God. Did he get crushed? Have you been crushed yet of your inner self? It needs to happen or you need to hear a word that crushes your pride that now enables you to love one another as God loves you. That's the standard. Can you hear me? I give you two commandments. I'm taking all of this 
and I'm going to bring it into two things. So we have to look at our lives and go, can I keep the commandment yet? Have I received love that enables me to keep the commandment of loving like God? If I can't yet do that, it's okay. Okay? He loves you. It's not in question. This isn't like, oh, you can't, you're out. Remember what I said about a child and a father? Okay? So he is father. I was a kid. He says, grab my hand, because as you grow, I'm going to lead you, build you into the reality of what I call you to. I am going to do the work in you as you hold my hand and you surrender to me, son. Don't fight against the goad. Don't deny the power of God that comes to build. Only have a form of godliness and not godliness. That is not good. You will always be a lover of yourself if you do that. So he wants to grab you by the hand as a one-year-old in Christ. Come on. Come on. Seizes your five-year-old. Come on. Fifteen-year-old. Hey, come on. Twenty-year-old. And for me, with my dad, it was like, <laughs> you're, you're bigger than me now physically. I'll still take you down, son. <laughs> and so you grow, and then he releases. And he has built you to be able to do what his truth called you to. And he graces us, which is ultimately power, to live out what he calls us to. But he must come into that centerpiece, which means I must believe that in view of God's mercy and through the laying down of my life, I'm giving it all today. I'm not going to hold on. I'm not going to let fear bind me anymore. I'm going to let you in. I can't see it, so I'm going to believe it so I can see it because I've heard today that love believes all things and God believes in me. And even when I make mistakes, they're not mistakes. They're just opportunities to grow. And he loves me. He loves me for God is for us who can be against us. You are called to be more than conquerors in Christ. No demon can come against you if you're in me. So be more than a conqueror because I want to grow you into the fullness and the stature of God so you will be a pillar of truth in my house and there are promises for those who overcome and I will sit with you and you will sit with me on my throne in the eternal kingdom and it awaits now. So we got to grab hold of this word and everything that comes out of this pulpit and grab it, and eat it, and drink it, and eat it, and drink it, and say, Holy Spirit, help me, build me, Lord! And he will, when he hears that cry. And he's just waiting for that cry. He's here right now. Why don't we stand? I just want to pray into and over for a living conviction. Man. Father, I thank you that you are so good. Even good doesn't describe you. The English language is so limited, Father, to give you praise. 
Father, may you be glorified in all things, God. May you be exalted in all things. May we find you worthy and holy, Father. For you are the righteous one. You are the alpha. You are the omega. You are the beginning and the end. You have always been. You are the creator. You are our Father, you are Lord, you are Saviour, you are Groom, you are Master. You are all things and all things are created in you and for you and through you and we are your creation and we are higher than the angels, God. Can you hear me, church? We are higher than the angels. The Bible says that we will judge the world. Governmental rulership. Unbelievable. No, it's believable and it's fully possible for those who believe all things, who can hear the word of the Lord that has been going out and will continue to go out into this earth to every ear that has a hearing to hear what the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches. For I have seven promises, at least. I want to give you a new name. I want to give you a place on the throne right beside my son. It's not your own throne. You're sitting with him on his throne. I want you to eat from the tree of life. I want to give you a brand new stone. I want to bless you with my life, but I can't if you don't let me in. And I'm knocking on the door. And today is the day that we rebuke lukewarmness. I rebuke it in your heart. If you're lukewarm, I rebuke that lukewarmness. Not you, but the lukewarm state in your heart. And I pray you will find repentance. And I pray you will seek Him because you have been called to be hot. You were born to be hot, not cold and not lukewarm, but hot. Jesus comes to baptize in fire. John said, I baptize in water, but there was one coming. I can't even untie the man's sandals. That's how pure and holy he is. But he's a man. He's the son of man and the son of God. But man, as a man, he's going to show you what a man or a woman can do when they are full of fire. Submitted under the leadership of heaven. Here to do the will of his father and his father alone. He was so single-eyed. If your eye is clear, then you will be full of light. Singular focus, church. I'm speaking to me. Singular eye, not eyes, eye. Focus on Him. A singular life, a narrow way. Not with this, that, that. They're just all add-ons and they're okay. But if they are opening up and they become your life, you're in trouble. Man, the church really is in trouble. But it doesn't need to be. And the Father today through me and through the worship is declaring to you 
that He loves you. And He believes in you because love believes all things. And He has a magnificent plan for His church. The plans that He has are for a nation. Not to harm you. It is not an individual plan. It's preached out of complete context. It's for a nation, a people. And those plans are in Him, not you. You don't have to find them in you. You have to find His plan, which is in Him. Then it becomes your plan. And those are the desires of His heart in you. It's not your desires, it's His desires in your heart. So now He's going to give you His desires that are in your heart. Father, forgive us from butchering Your Word and creating a false teaching, which creates a false life, which means we can't live what You're calling us to live. Forgive the church today. Forgive me for preaching stuff that you have shown me was my idea, my version, but I thank you that you forgave me because you saw the heart was right even though it came out wrong. That's how much he believes in me and you. Because love bore me and love covered a multitude of my sin even though he forgave me his sin. Can you hear it? He's covering us. Don't abuse the covering. Don't go, grace is just something so I can live my life. No, that's demonic. Grace is power to live out what truth is calling you to. He didn't die that you would stay the same. He died that you would be born again. He died that we could live. But it's not a human life. It's alienated to this world. But it's innate in Him. So Father, this morning, Holy Spirit, we stand in awe and wonder of You and we just glorify You. And we thank You for everything and anything we're going through. And give us a fresh perspective to see the purpose of why we may be suffering today in You. Help us to see that when we fix our eyes on you, you can use all situations and all circumstances, no matter how great the pain is. God, I pray the pain would propel us into presence and not away from you, but you allow it so we come to a place of death ourselves where we never get to experience that pain again because it's us dying. But you say, harness it, feel it. Allow the pain to propel you into my presence, not away. It's a gift. Pain can be a gift. If you see it as a gift, it's a gift that God allows to propel you into Him because you wouldn't get there any other way because yourself wouldn't choose it. See it today. Harness it. Let it feel it and move into Him and scream a raise a hallelujah. In the presence of my pain, I raise it from the innermost being that I don't even maybe know, but from my spirit, from my gut, I raise a hallelujah. Because you have come to set the captive free, heal every broken heart that cries out, and you will hear the cry. Psalm 40, you hear the cry of the heart that's desperate and broken. And you are with the brokenhearted. You are with those, and you are near those who are crushed in spirit. Because you want to fill us. 
You don't want to leave us crushed. You come to bring life, eternal life, the fullness of life that we may walk in life and abundant life. So I prophesy over you today and into you abundant life in Jesus, eternal life, for He is the eternal life. So get to know Him and you will have eternal life. And eternal life is a life forever and it is full of the substance of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who died, who was born again because death couldn't hold Him down and the resurrected power of God came into His body and it rose Him up. He defeated death. So you have nothing to fear. Believe and receive and accept your new identity in Jesus. Tell yourself who you are. You are accepted. You are not rejected. Take every thought captive that says the opposite of what I just said and fight. You've got to fight. You've got a demonic person who's coming to kill you. He prowls around like a lion, waking to destroy you from discovering who he is and who you are in him. And he's active. He is not passive. He is active. He's come to bind you. He's come to keep you bound in chains. He's come to keep you down. But God said, I've come to set you free. Do not be yoked again to the bond of slavery. Come on. Enter in and possess this kingdom life that is in the Christ. Your flesh is active. It doesn't want to die. It's going to tell you lies. Your feelings will lie to you. You've got to fight. Paul said, I fought the good fight by faith. And I finished and the future awaits. Godliness is good for now and the future. Discipline is good for godly living now, but more for the future. You've got to fight, guys. And I don't mean fleshly. I mean in the Word. You've got to get into the Word. You've got to spend the time, make the time. You've got to spend time in His presence and scream out to heaven and say, God, I've got no idea. I've got no understanding. I don't even want to spend time with you. I want to live for me. But I heard this crazy guy speak, and so I'm going to give it a go, and I'm going to step out because I know you're waiting, and I'm going to give it a go. And then I'm going to come back tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, and I'm going to get a tenacity in me, and I'm not going to let this go. I'm going to wrestle with you until you bless me. I'm not going to let you go. Be Jacob. Be a Jacob. Even in his dysfunctional state, he wrestled with an angel. And the angel had to smack him on the hip. He got a brand new name. Israel, the one who wrestles with God. That's what it means. Israel means the one who wrestles with God for what is in God. Why do you think we're called the rock? He's a wrestler. God wants to get you in a headlock. You know why God wrestles and he doesn't box? See, when you box, you knock someone out. When they come to conscience, they get up and they want to fight you again. When you wrestle, 
You pin someone down and they submit. Hear the difference? You've got to submit. So when you wrestle with God, he gets you in a headlock and he pins you down. So you've got to tap out. I surrender, submit to you. You're the victory. When someone just knocks you out, you're like... That's why God wrestles. He doesn't box. So he holds you so you submit for the purpose of life. I'm so for you. I want you to experience what I know, and I'm in process. I've not arrived, but I want you to know what I have in here. That's why sometimes I shout, I'm not frustrated. I live rest and rest. I'm just excited, and I'm passionate. And like I shared yesterday, I'm all in all on all things. If you watch me watch a football game, I'm like this. If you hear me listen to music, I'm like this. I'm not this quiet dude one minute because I give all to all. But I know I'm in order. There's so much life in him, but you've got to fight. You've got to fight the voices, your own voice, everyone else's voices. Every relationship demands stuff. So you have to speak to that voice, and that causes suffering, opposition. Do you know who can be the greatest opposition? Those closest to you. But when those closest to you called the church all want the same thing, there's no longer opposition. But when those closest to you don't want what you want, there is massive opposition between spirit and flesh. And you have to know how to navigate that. But I will not let any human rob me of the inheritance that God has for me because I am his. Which means I make tough calls and decisions that sometimes nobody understands but the Father. And I honor my Father over people because I'm not looking for the favor of people. I'm looking for the favor of my Father. And unless I'm that, I can't be a bond servant. Galatians 1.10. So I have to get wisdom from God to know how to navigate every human relationship because even those closest to me may not necessarily want what I want. But the Father wants all things for all his people. And that's why Jesus had such a hard time with his relatives, his hometown, and his household. He was not honored there because they thought he was just the carpenter, even though he spoke this incredible word. And he had more honor when he went out of his own town, away from his relatives. His relatives thought he was a nut job. His own brother didn't even believe in him. Can you hear it? So those closest to you can never know who you really are because of a familiar spirit. And that needs to be smashed. And so then you actually see the gift that's standing right in front of you because it's been sent for you. I'm talking about one another. We are all a gift to one another. And then you actually get to see as Jesus sees and believes. You see the new. 
You look at the new. You don't see the old. You look at the new. And you call out the new. And you call out the new standard. You call it out. And you call it out. Even when it may not understand it, you call it out. You call it out. And you pray. And you hope. And you bear all things. And you love all things. And you believe all things. And you hope all things. And you're patient. And you're kind. And you're gentle. Because you've gone through that process. Because you fought for the reality that he said. Come to me, you will not hunger. That's one promise in a book of promises. Come to me and you'll never thirst. There's two in a book of promises. The Bible says that he has more thoughts about you than the grain of sand. What would five of those thoughts do if they were revealed in your heart? He has more thoughts than all of the grain of sand about you and I. Why? Because love believes all things. Father, thank you. Bless you in Jesus' name.